We have a Bible reading. It's fitting that it should be Isaiah 62 because this is the the core passage. Now, you've got a handout. Did you get a handout? Put your hand up if you did not receive a handout this morning. And I think our fit team are going to run over to you. Yep, we've got a few hands up. Yep, there we go. Hands up. The Bible reading is in your handout. But let's... You can read along or you can just listen. Isaiah 62 in the New Living Translation. Because I love Zion, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for Jerusalem, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn. Yeah, come on, say it with me. And her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O Jerusalem, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. O Jerusalem, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. The Lord has sworn to Jerusalem by his own strength. I will never again hand you over to your enemies. Never again will foreign warriors come and take away your grain and new wine. You raise the grain and you will eat it, praising the Lord. Within the courtyards of the temple, you yourselves will drink the wine you have pressed. Go out through the gates. Prepare the highway for my people to return. That's to us. Smooth out the road. Pull out the boulders. Raise a flag for all the nations to see. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. They will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And Jerusalem will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. Amen. What an awesome passage of scripture to read together and to focus our thoughts and attention on, um, particularly in this, in this season. So I'm trying to um, put myself back together to speak to you after having come undone during the worship um, in a really good way. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, uh, this morning will be there'll be some things that some of you will have seen in the prayer room during the during the week when you came into the discipleship healing and deliverance sessions. But I just wanted to recap on some of those things this morning. And the first one is that we are living in this time where there's unprecedented change that's on a global scale. We've never seen or experienced it before, and we need to be alert to this. This is the core thing I want to say. We 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 have to be aware of that 
this, the world changed. Now the world change always changes because God is always moving his purposes forward. And it's going to, to an end, to a set end, which we, we can read about very clearly in the scriptures, where God is taking history. And how important it is for us as the people of God and people who are sitting here today, maybe you've not committed your life to Christ, we want to encourage you to do that because the day of Jesus' return is drawing near and it will, and it's a day of allegiance. One of the things that was interesting for me watching the coronation of the king, King Charles III, last night was the, the oath of allegiance that everybody was invited to say, but there was also some key moments when key leaders spoke it out, representing themselves and other people. This is the key thing of the hour, everybody, is allegiance to the king. Not King Charles III, although we are because we are part of the British Commonwealth, but allegiance to the king of kings, the one who's coming to rule and reign, the one who gave his life to save. Interesting, the anthem, which I grew up until ours got changed, when I was in primary school, we used to sing the anthem, the God Save the Queen anthem it was back then, now it's the God Save the King anthem. It's a universal anthem, isn't it? You can sing it. But they sing God Save the King, but we sing... God, you are king who saves. You're the king who saves. Um, So there's no other king than you, and we want to give our allegiance to you. One One of the things that's rapidly changing relates to what I believe Jesus spoke in Matthew 24 when he he lovingly and carefully warned the very first disciples, and he said when they asked him, what will be the signs of your return, Jesus? And one of the first things he said was, watch out, let no one mislead you, let no one deceive you. And this is a critical need of the hour. My older sister worked in the, worked in the Commonwealth Bank way back many decades ago. And the way that she was trained to recognise counterfeit money was by continually and habitually using the real money. Because in those days, forgeries were a bit easier to spot than they are now. But, and it was all about the feel of the paper and how it moved through their fingers when they were counting. And they just got used to doing that all the time. And I want to just say that that is what we need to be as people of the living God, is we need to be people who are so familiar with this book, this library, this magnificent 66-volume library of the Word of God, that we can recognize even the counterfeit voices that are raised up that actually use verses from this Bible because we know it so well, we go, you're misusing that, you're misrepresenting the character of God, you're actually using the word of God, but you're proclaiming a lie. Now the thing is that um, one of the ways that we are, people are going to be misled and deceived, I believe, because people are using the losing capacity to dis, to know what's real 
Now, at a very basic level, if you've got to have a if you've got to have a conversation about what's a man and what's a woman, you're losing a grip on reality. If you're not clear about that, I'm not sure you got you got anything to offer from a from a leadership perspective. So when you put people in leadership that and confused about such a basic thing as that, they will be they, we're opening the door and that's what's happened. How quickly has our culture in Western society capitulated to these kinds of deceptions and falsehoods? But what's coming is greater than any of us ever know. There's two articles in the newspaper I came across this week. About one was about the pioneer. One of the pioneers of artificial intelligence has resigned from Google because he he is terrified about how artificial intelligence will be misused by global evil global dictators. But I'm telling you, it won't just be evil global dictators that misuse it. It'll be misused everywhere. They can create. You can create a video of me saying things I've never said. And it will look and sound like me. You can do that already. Um, recently, a per, uh, an artist tested this by entering a piece of art that was created by artificial intelligence. It wasn't his own work. And it won an award. And he declined it. I think that's how it goes anyway. But um, people... People have tested this by asking artificial intelligence to write worship songs about God. And it's produced something in a, in a, like a blink of an eye. It produces a song about God without any revelation of God. Now, if you don't know, if you don't know not just this material, but if you don't know God as he is, the capacity for, vulner, for, for deception is enormous. And I want to be careful about how I say this but the thing about it is if our the way we can think about God is the most important thing about us that was said by a man called A.W. Tozer in the 1950s I believe he wrote a book The Knowledge of the Holy he said the most important thing about any person is what comes into their mind when they think about God but the problem is that sometimes we don't we don't realize that our thoughts about God do not actually align with the scripture and that's one of the great blessings of being in the context of community where we're hearing people say things and we ought to be able to bring correction to one another and say, I don't think you know God really as he's revealed himself. There aren't many congregations that can sing an Isaiah 63 worship song. And some of you are sitting there saying, what is Isaiah 63? It's who is this coming up from Bosworth, their garments stained red? who says, I've trodden the winepress of the wrath of God by myself. I've executed vengeance on my enemies. It's the Lord Jesus. It's a prophetic messianic psalm of what he will do when he comes back. Not many congregations can sing of the king who is coming to reign and slaughter his enemies. And I want to say, if you're thinking, wow, that's horrible, Okay, I want, it's, it's important for you to understand that there's actually, got, where God is leading things is there's got, the nice people are going to disappear. And if you just want to live a nice life, 
you're going to have trouble because the God is moving things and it's going to be, it's, there's just going to be a knife edge. And it's going to be one or the other. You're going to have you give your allegiance to Jesus unto death or you will, you will not give your allegiance to Jesus and you'll try to be a nice person. That nice middle ground is disappearing. One of the things we heard while we were in Singapore was that Muslims in an increasing number are being visited by a dazzling man in white with scars in his hands revealing himself as the true God. They're having, they're having incredible dreams in these places where, this, where there, aren't, there are uh, disciple-making ministries, but Jesus is appearing to them, and not just once, but multi- on multiple occasions, and teaching them and showing them who he is and things like that. But do you know how families respond in those situations? And this is what I mean about allegiance. You might think your family gave you a hard time when you became a Christian. Well, Here's some of what's going on in some other places in the world. Especially if you're a female. You'll be locked up in your bedroom. Your phone will be taken away. You'll be beaten. Men and women are taken to the local mosque, to the sheik, to have the Christian demon cast out of their son or daughter. The parents take them to do that. That's the kind of thing that's happening. In other places in the world, we had, I've had text messages this weekend from leaders in this city who've got connections and ministries in India. I don't know if you're aware of what's happening in a particular region in northern, northern India, Manipur. Um, Christian churches and houses are being burnt down. There's over 50 Christian villages that have been burnt down. Guns are being held to the Christians with the ultimatum, return to Hinduism or we will kill you. Women are being raped. Christian women are being raped. So who's doing it. Why am I telling you this? I'm just saying it's already happening at work in the world. The, the, the rise of this, what Jesus says, is you will be hated by all people. I spoke to a young woman in this, in, in this city this week who's doing in teacher training and she's learning a lot about diversity and inclusivity and in the course of that conversation in her class where they were saying if this if this ethnicity wants to speak they can say whatever they want this religion wants to speak they can say whatever they want and she put up her hand and she said I'm a Christian and they said you can't say anything you're not part of this inclusivity and diversity that's being taught in our universities already. Where do you think that's going to go in a few years' time? So these things, some of you are already facing these kind of things in the work, workforce, in the workplace. You do not understand it. It's not new information to you. So, so this reality, here's a, here's a verse that we all should memorize. John eleven twenty five. Have you memorized that? Put your hand up. John eleven twenty five. Who's got it? Come on, come on. See, when someone's holding a gun to your head and saying, renounce Christ or die, you want to have this verse in your spirit where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. 
Because when someone's holding a gun to my head, that's my, they, I want that to be my reality. I want my reality to be able to say, you can kill me, but I will live. You're not taking my life from me. I'm in the resurrection and the life. I'm with him. That one who conquered death. That's who I'm with. I'm with him. So yeah, pull that trigger. Take my life. You won't be taking my life. You'll be sending me to eternal life to live forevermore in his glorious presence to worship him. So John eleven twenty five. You want to, you want to have that in your, in your mind, in your spirit. That's my reality. And what I'm, I feel like this morning, what I'm trying to stir you up is to, is to this, this kind of things that we have heard about in other places will come to us here. We ought not to be uh, deceived about that and we need to be anchored and to have be thinking about what will I do when that pressure moment comes what will I do in my workplace if they say say this you know they might say renounce your allegiance to Jesus it could be in a, some other way they'll say you're on, you gotta decide what side of this line you're on because if you're, if you choose the wrong side of this line, you don't work here anymore. Your children can't come to school here. Your children can't go to university here. We, we have to prepare ourselves for these kinds of realities. But I want to say, this is not catching God by surprise. God's not like, oh my goodness, evil's increasing. He's not. We know that because we know he's escalating things. He's escalating things to take out the middle ground. So we're anchored in God's plan, which is the next slide. That he's moving everything forward in his purposes, right? He said, Paul said it in Ephesians 1.10, at God's appointed time, he's going to bring everything in heaven and on earth under the authority of his son. Psalm 2, all hail King Jesus. Why do the nations rage? Why do they plot a vain thing? They don't want the Lord's anointed sitting on David's throne on Mount Zion. And God laughs. Says, I've got a king and he's going to sit there. And recently we were in Israel. We were up on the Temple Mount where there's, there's an inscription at the mosque. God has no son. Psalm 2. The two of the groups that are fighting over the Temple Mount, Muslim and Jews, both say God has no son. What's God say? I got a son. He's going to sit here. He's going to sit here. He's going to rule from here. He's going to rule the earth from here. So God's on the move. So we want to be encouraged about that. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come. But we want to be people who are prepared and ready for what will be unleashed in this time. So that we want to be, because some people are going to be deceived some, and some Christians are going to be deceived and some Christians are going to be unprepared and some Christians are going to be fearful. And what Julie was saying earlier on, we've got a war against fear. I'll tell you right now, everybody. We have to war against fear. We've got to grow in boldness and courage, all of us. And we've got to get connected to the subtle ways that fear controls us. And one of the, so there's a whole range of things, and I won't say anything 
I could go spend some time on that, but I, I won't. I want to keep moving on. But we, we just got to go to war against it. We have to face our fears and say, God, you are greater than my fears. You are greater than my fears. And so I'm going to step into, step towards, step through the thing I'm afraid of, whatever that might be. For people who are unprepared, the scriptures are clear. The return, when Jesus will return, it will be suddenly like a thief in the night. You come unexpectedly. But Jesus said, and, and many of the writers in the New Testament talk about the fact, but that won't be you believers in Jesus, disciples, because you are watching, you are praying, you are alert, you're watching, you're discerning the, discerning the seasons. So this is, day is not going to overtake you like that. You're going to be prepared. You're going to be ready to stand. You're going to be the ones who are strong and secure in him and in his purposes. You're going to be the ones who are lifting your head up because you're going, the day of my redemption is here. Yeah, we'll have to suffer momentary trials. But compared to eternity, they are momentary. They are light compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits us. See, this is the thing. We have to fill our mind with these realities. We have to saturate our spirits. Parents, you've got to saturate your children's spirits in these. Truth of how great God is and how glorious he is. And they can live without fear. And they can live with discernment. And we grow that by being people of one thing, who sit at the feet of Jesus, who gaze on him, who delight in him, who give ourselves to this. We've been having a, a, I would say, as a church, we've been having a serious conversation about the return of Jesus for almost 20 years. In that 20-year journey, as we've engaged with other people who teach on this even more extensively than we do, they have a kind of a special, fo- special focus of this. What we've seen is the language of these teachers has, has transitioned over, over the years. So 20 years ago, um, the, the conversation was, uh, I'm not sure if I'll see it in my lifetime but maybe my, grand, my children or my grandchildren will. And then the conversation moved and it's like, it might happen in my lifetime. Right now, the conversation is like, we think it's getting really close. No one's, no one's that I'm connecting with is talking about a particular you know, date or time, you know, what year, but it's just the sense of what's going on in the world is like we really don't know how close we are to the literal physical return of Jesus. But we know there's some things that are going to take place before that, so we we go, there's still time. All that's to say is, if in your mind you're thinking, I've got got decades, well, maybe you do. I, I don't know, but maybe you do. But what if if... 
you began to give more time to sitting at the feet of Jesus than sitting at the feet of YouTube. Just speaking. Sitting at the feet of your TV. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Studying the scriptures. Crying out for wisdom and revelation. God, open up my mind. My mind is dull, God. And I actually don't like reading your word. God, will you open my mind to see the wonders in your word? Just begin to do that. In these next 21 days, I want to encourage you to, that can be one of the things you are praying. So, because when we're weak at the feet of Jesus, we're actually weak everywhere. I'll leave you to think about that. One of the things we said a number of years ago is that the prayer room is the engine room of, of this church, and it really is. And that's why we, we encourage all of you to have a time every week where you're in the prayer room because it powers everything, as that graphic shows there. It's, it's, it's kept us as a church. It's kept the school. It's enabled Jubilee Welfare Fund. And in this season... It's preparing us for Pentecost. It's connecting us to the purposes of God that are continuing and enduring for Israel. And it's also part of that fire that he's releasing amongst us through our discipleship, healing and deliverance course. If you've been living and thinking that the prayer room is something that's optional for you, I encourage you to reconsider that. And say, actually, it's not. I'm just saying, encourage you, reconsider that. And go, I, I need to be in the prayer room at least two hours a week. To sit at the feet of Jesus, to pray with other people, to worship with other people, to open up the scriptures. One of the wonderful things I love about our prayer room is that it it's a dedicated holy space it's a set apart space which is what the word holy means set apart for purposes it's set apart pretty much exclusively for prayer and worship one of the great things and joys and delights i have is praying and, in, and talking with with people that come into the prayer room who are not part of new life church and invariably the conversation is always about the sense of God's presence as soon as they walk in the room, as soon as they open that glass door and walk in the room. And some of you know what that's like because you experience it yourself. You come into the room and you sit down and you're still before the Lord. So I strongly encourage you to embrace that. And so now we come to the Isaiah 62 reality which is about, about dawning on us. So where more than 5 million Christians are going to be praying for God's purposes for Israel over the next 21 days. If that number doesn't, doesn't stagger you, and what I mean by stagger you is like, well, 5 million, you think 7 billion people, it's not very much. But if you think there's never been another time in history where 5 million believers across the world have committed to pray for Israel for 21 days. And we were on a Zoom call recently with Mike, with Mike Bickle and it was a couple of hundred prayer leaders from around Australia and pastors and uh, there were several on the call that I know that said, that said this kind of thing. I don't really understand what Mike's talking about about Israel but I'm committed to pray so I've said yes to this. 
There's a lot of people around the earth that are joining this that don't necessarily know much about Israel, but they love to pray. So they just said yes. But you think about where God's, what God's plan is to bring everything under the leadership of his son. It's all centered on Israel. It's an Israel-centric reality where he's going to put his son as king over the whole earth. And so in this moment of time, there's more than 5 million plus. Could be more than that because some of you are going to commit to this today. You were thinking, oh, I'll get, get off. Just, I'm not interested in this. But today you're going, actually, I'm going to get on board. So the number's gone up already. It's over 5 million, way over 5 million. Um, if you go to the IsaiahFast.com website, um, one of the things that will strike you straight away is under the banner headline, there's all these little boxes of all the languages that the website is available in and you can see your language and click on it. It's over 100 languages on there. People of every tribe, every tongue, every language under heaven lifting their voices to God. There's over 5,000 plus, more than 5,000 churches, church networks, mission ministries that are involved in this. So when we say we're in an unprecedented time, it's like, yep, there's all this kind of, if you like, the bad stuff, if you like. God is allowing the sin, the deceitfulness in the hearts of people to come to the fore. But at the same time, he's raising up an army of people of prayer and worshippers who love him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength, who will not compromise, who have worked through their issues, who understand who he is and are facing courageously the future and looking for the dawning of the day of Christ. Let's be in that company of people. Let us be as a church walking in that reality. In your handout, I've given, there's, I deliberately wanted you to have a handout today so that you could hopefully take this away and not lose it, not let the dog eat it or the cat sit on it or whatever animals you've got in your house. It's got the Isaiah 62 scripture. It's got the Romans 11 scripture in there as well, where one of the things that Paul strongly is exhorting the Gentile church in Rome about is Firstly, two things about Israel, not be arrogant and not be ignorant of God's purposes. Not be arrogant towards Israel and going, God's done with Israel. And don't be ignorant, don't be uninformed of God's purposes. So there's some key, so you can spend time reading those scriptures. I've put through some things about why to participate in the fast, I've put through some things, how to participate and how to pray for Israel. But right now, I want us to take some time right now this morning to gather in small groups and pray where there's a scripture from Isaiah 62 coming up on the screen behind me, which I want you to use as your prayer. It's, it's also in your notes, so you can, you can read that. But I want, before we break into groups, I want to ask you to stand. I want to lead us in a prayer. 
dedicating ourselves in this time for this season. Then we're going to do small group prayer. I hope no one leaves the hall during small group prayer, but if you desperately need to leave the hall, do so. But participate. And one of the things you might be saying is, God, I don't get this. Then your prayer is simply, God, connect me. Please connect me. Because I don't understand what's going on or why this is so important. It's that the first prayer is like, God, I want my heart to be connected to your heart. I want understanding. And so help me. Help me in that. So let's pray together. Eternal God who created the heavens and the earth, you are our Father. We are your children. And Father, we want to align our hearts and our thoughts and our actions in line with you. We want to align them with what you're doing in this time. And God, right here on this big island in which we live on, called Australia, which seems a long way from Israel, but yet, O oh Lord, we want to join our voices and our hearts to what you are doing. God, so we want to commit ourselves to you. And I stand here in my capacity before you, O oh God, to say, Jesus, you are our good shepherd. You are leading us. We want to follow you. We want to give our allegiance to you. And so we are saying yes to this Isaiah 62 global fast to praying for your purposes for Israel over these next 21 days. Lord, because we want the fulfillment of what Paul wrote about, you must have shown him something magnificent because he talks about how if their rejection brought the gospel to us as Gentiles, that their response to Jesus as Messiah and Lord is going to be like life from the dead for the whole world. We want, to get, we want to enter into that reality that, that them coming to Jesus, so we want to stand in the place of prayer. So even help us now, God, as we go into small groups and pray and help us through this 21 days to fast and pray and connect us with your purposes in the name of Jesus.